0: And the edge of the world, Euphemet presents Night Drift with Jim Perry.
1: Good evening, you are listening to Night Drift presented by UFAMET and I'm Jim Perry. Coming to you tonight from my home studio in the hinterlands of the Oregon coast to the mothership. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM KKNW in Seattle, and streaming worldwide at nightdrift.com. Tonight is going to be a really fascinating and, and deep show. We have guest Leslie Mitchell-Clark who will discuss the use of skilled hypnotherapeutic regression in working with individuals who believe that they have had extra slash terrestrial contact or other experiences of high strangeness. I can't wait to get into that, and probably way too many questions for what we have allotted for tonight, but that's why we do this show every week, so Leslie can come back if we don't get to everything, which, of course, we won't. But first, journalist Ralph Blumenthal joins us to discuss his New York Times article that was released this week, news of an upcoming congressional hearing on UAP activity that's next. Of course, there's some folks that wonder how important are governmental disclosures like this, really, especially for those that have maybe moved past a nuts and bolts explanation for such things and have dived deep into high strangeness, the the, the elements of consciousness of ultra-terrestrials. Well, I think it still matters a lot because it says a lot about how we relate to these things within the cultural zeitgeist. And I'm a big proponent there being opportunities for others to gather around the water cooler and discuss these things more freely Uh, look at these things like a permission slip to do so I'm I'm so excited excited to speak with Ralph Blumenthal and listen I've heard a lot from you that you have really enjoyed our drops on the feed last week both my really long-form conversation with Brent rains on John Keel as well as the feature on amber a witch who faced many trials, much harassment, based on who she is. You know, for some people, life is just paranormal. It's not what is seen on TV, it's not even close. For many, we feel, if hopefully only in our most challenging moments, what it's like to be outside of normality. For some, it's on purpose. In pursuit chasing that feeling of something unknown but when these events life events the death of a family member a sickness an unreal opportunity a life saved these events are as strange as any specter and i hope that for tonight we can sit here and enjoy what all of this is right now a world of wonder danger Order and chaos. A world with each other. We're also taking your calls in the second half of the program. You can join the conversation, ask questions, advice, share your story. 888 298 5569. You can also find us on Twitter using hashtag NightDrift or at euphemet. We're talking about a lot of wild things tonight an anomaly set in the stars. Our gaze yet defined its source, its true provenance. UFOs, aliens, government secrets revealed. That's what it is to be in the drift. I'm Jim Barry. This is Night Drift. We'll be right back.
0: to Night Drift with Jim Perry on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, KKNW, Seattle. Now, here again is Jim.
1: I'm Jim Perry. Welcome back to Night Drift, presented by UFAMet. A real quick thanks to our sponsors, including AMC Network's Shudder. And, of course, a thank you to our patrons over at patreon.com slash And thank you for listening. So, the New York Times broke the story this week about an upcoming congressional hearing on unexplained aerial sightings. This hearing happens next week. Veteran journalist Ralph Blumenthal pinned the story with Leslie Kane and now joins us for more. Ralph, tell me about the story that just
2: dropped. Uh, Jim, thank you for having me on again. Uh, Leslie and I had heard uh, some time ago, um, sort of secretly on the QT that the, uh, uh, house intelligence subcommittee um was going to have hearings uh, or, or a hearing on uh, the ufo situation uap whatever they want to call it they keep changing the name <laughs> um and uh but so we we got uh, clearance finally to run the story times is interested we broke the story a couple of days ago and the hearings are going to take place next tuesday the hearing um by a house intelligence subcommittee and it'll be the first hearing in 54 years.
1: Uh, It's, it's breathtaking, the historical nature of this. And I think a lot of people are excited to, to hear what comes out of this. Now, who are some of the particular individuals who are the players involved in, in making this hearing happen?
2: Well, um, Andre Carson is the um, chair of the subcommittee. Uh, He's from Indiana Democrat Um, And um, he told us that uh, he's, you know, willing to take a little bit of heat. Uh, He knows it's uh, kind of a controversial business, uh, UAP. It shouldn't be, but it is still subject (laughs) to some ridicule. And, um, but he and uh, other members of the uh, committee um, I say it's very important that these issues be aired now, and you know we've made a lot of progress uh, in in confronting the reality, which is you know as as the Navy uh, said and the UAP Task Force said last year in its uh, landmark report. It was only nine pages, but it was a real breakthrough that these objects are real. Uh, we don't know anything more about them, where they come from. You know, uh, are they intelligent? Why they're here? Uh, what they can do? Uh, really? But, um, but they're real. So it's, it's high time that Congress turn its attention to the subject and try to get some answers.
1: Now, why do you think this hearing is so important historically?
2: Well, the government has been opening up. You know, um, As I said, the UAP report came out last year. Um, it was really kind of ground. A lot of people were disappointed. I mean, they wanted more Acknowledgement, sure. you know, what these things are, but the government it really, I mean, there's a, there was a classified annex to the report, so we don't know everything. But, you know, the government is is largely mystified, too. Um, so they, they don't know. Uh, I don't think they know a lot more than they're saying. I mean, maybe they do, but um, I think they're still putting a lot of pieces together. But this is the first time that Congress has turned its attention the first time in, you know, more than half a century that Congress has turned attention to the issue and trying to get answers. So that is a positive sign.
1: Uh, yeah, most definitely. But what do you think we should look out for or remember during the hearings next week?
2: Well, I mean, there's a lot of questions. Uh, first of all, why did it take, you know, 54 years for Congress to schedule another hearing? Um a lot of questions about what is known. There's going to be a classified um, briefing uh, for Congress after the hearing. By the way, so the public is not going to know uh, everything that that you know Congress is hearing. So I guess one question is well, why does it have to be a classified segment? What what does Congress uh-huh. want to get um, in the classified sec- segment that the American public can't hear in the public segment? Um, and, I mean, there are a lot of questions. Uh, how, you know, how much other information does the government really have? Um, we've been told repeatedly that it's not U.S. technology, it's not Soviet, it's not Russian. Um, how does the government know that? Um, um, questions about, uh, you know, how these objects seem to, to, to be able to operate transmedium in the water as well as the atmosphere, um, whether they've been picked up by NASA, uh, Where they've been picked up by satellites entering the atmosphere? That's a good question. Um, and of course, the ultimate question is whether the government has actual materials um, uh, or access to materials uh, from any crashed vehicles. Um, and, uh, you know, is the government trying to reverse engineer this technology? Because it's ast- astounding technology. These things, you know, uh, operate at amazing speeds. They turn on a dime. Uh, they plunge down, you know, from 30,000 feet to the uh, top, you know, top of the water in, in seconds and uh, and maybe operate underwater as well. So the technology, you know, they, they operate without um, visible means of propulsion. There's no you know, jet trails. There's no uh, there's no wings. There's no tail. You know, so how do these things operate? I mean, there's a million questions. And I guess uh, how much does the government really know about all this?
1: Now you and I, we've had really long discussions about things uh, like John Mack's work, uh, the abduction and experiencer phenomenon, and potentially, you know, maybe some link between UFOs or these UAPs and and even consciousness, right? Uh, something more within the line that per- perhaps some sort of quantum physics could explain better than maybe a typical nuts and bolts theory. Now, uh, do you feel like we're getting closer to the sort of public examination or exploration of these sort of more high, strange elements of this UAP narrative?
2: Well, no, the answer is no, we're not not getting much closer because the government is being very cautious uh, with some reason. Uh, They don't want to get ahead of themselves. Um, there's been no talk of, you know, aliens or, uh, you know, uh, who, who's, uh, speculation on who's behind these, these objects, uh, for the, for the time being, just saying that they're real is interesting enough, but my book on John Mack is, you know, something totally different and the government has not addressed these questions. John Mack, you know, as a Harvard psychiatrist was very interested in, in the accounts that he was getting. From his, you know, patients and so-called experiencers that were very vivid. They were not; these people were not insane. Um, they were not deluded. They were not making it up. Uh, they didn't want detention, if anything. Uh, so, you know, Matt, John Mack was putting all this together and trying to figure out what was going on. But that's way ahead of what the government, you know, where the government and Congress is now. They're, for the time being, they're just trying to figure out. Um, Uh, You know, the aerodynamics of these objects and plot their course and the Navy instrumentation has captured them for the first time, you know, radar and uh, uh, FLIR, you know, thermal imaging devices, and they've been eyeballed by pilots like Dave Fravor, uh, very uh, highly accomplished pilots. Um, We've spent millions of dollars of training these pilots, so when they say this is what I've seen, you know, you got to listen to them. Um, so that, that's where we're at. Uh, the other stuff is, you know, is, is often the future and it's much more speculative. And, and Jim, you know, in our story, uh, this story and other stories for the New York Times, we've been very careful not to get ahead of ourselves and, you know, not to uh, open ourselves in the times to, you know, criticism for speculation or talking about things that are not nailed down. We've been very careful to keep the um, stories in the paper focused on um, you know th- th- this hearing, uh, this upcoming hearing, um, what what uh, instruments have uh, you know recorded about these objects, things like that?
1: the article, is called house panel to hold public hearing on unexplained aerial sightings uh, you can find that right now on the New York Times uh, another great article with uh, with with your partner in crime over there for lack of better words Leslie Kane uh, who are responsible of course for the breakthrough 2017 articles that opened the, the the pathway the mind of so many individuals that were maybe sitting on the fence and made it okay to talk about this stuff around the water cooler so I thank you for that you're book uh, on John Mack entitled The Believer. The best place to get that, you can just go into the show notes and find that. And you can find your work. Uh, what's your website, Ralph? At,
2: uh, Ralph I have uh, uh, all my articles on there. I've, I have information about the book, where to get it, um, other interviews I've given, Jim, and thing, you know, articles I've written about the phenomenon. So it's a good place to have everything collected.
1: Well, Ralph, As always, thank you so much for keeping us updated. I look forward to chatting with you in the future and uh, keep looking up over there.
2: (laughs) Just look, don't look up. Thanks, Jim. Real pleasure. (laughs) Appreciate Appreciate it. it.
1: Thank you, Ralph. We'll take care. Talk to you soon, man.
2: Bye-bye. All
1: right. We have to take a short break here on Night Drift. I'm Jim Perry. We'll be right back with more and Leslie Mitchell Clark.
0: Jim Perry is taking your calls at 425-373-5527 or toll free in Western Washington, 888-298-KKNW-5569. west of the Cascades to the rest of the world. Lines are open. Call 425-373-5527 or toll free in western Washington 888-298-5569 That's 888-298- KKNW
1: The legendary Ross Mitchell, everyone. We're back here on Night Drift. Find us across social media at UFAMet and me at It's Jim Perry. And if you're listening to this live, the radio broadcast of the show, and want more, you can find all of this on the UFOMet podcast feed, wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, visit UFAMet.com. Now, Leslie Mitchell-Clark is a Toronto-based certified clinical hypnotherapist who specializes in a number of modalities, including working with individuals who feel that they have ex- have had experiences with extraterrestrial beings, most of this fascinating work, as well as metaphysical therapy, such as past life and interlife regression, takes place at Leslie's Toronto Hypnosis Clinic, Lightwork Hypnosis. L- Leslie, thank you so much for joining us here on Night Drift.
3: Oh, Jim, it is my great pleasure to be with you this evening, and I'm so looking forward to our chat, and I was very interested in the uh, talk that I just heard before uh, I joined you. So there's a lot there's a lot popping right now. There yeah, is a-
1: absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up. So before we get into it, uh, you know, what is your take on this upcoming congressional hearing?
3: Well, you know, I, I, I don't mean to be pessimistic. And anytime anything like this happens, I prefer to see it as positive. But my personal feeling is that until uh the U.S. and other governments grant high military official, officials immunity uh we will probably not be hearing a whole lot of uh truth about what is actually going on with regards right. to what I like to call the secret space program the SSP the black ops whatever there are billions of dollars that are missing now, These billions right. of dollars have been supporting uh, reverse engineering and also, I believe, active, ongoing um, contact, contracts, alliances uh, with uh, various uh, beings from various places. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I think a lot of the phenomena that we see, um, or at least a portion of it, is um, possibly generated by our own combined activities. So I as far as the hearings, I'm certainly hoping for the best. And you know, the but the reality is that in this era of cell phones in this era of um, uh, the internet and shared information, there's no way that any thinking person can deny that this is a real um, phenomena, if you will, and a phenomena that's been going on for hundreds, thousands, and possibly millions of years.
1: You know, there's a there's a statistic out there right now that says 45% of uh, Americans have had an experience that 75% of them uh, believe that the phenomenon is real. So I, that I leaves a, a, a really small percentage of people that maybe are on the fence.
3: <laughs> yeah, I do. And, and I, I think that's very accurate. Now, the latest, uh, I, I may have, I don't know if I've mentioned, I haven't, but I, um, one of the activities I engage in is I am working actively um, in Kathleen Martin's experience research project. Oh, which is fantastic. A, a oh, on. that's so, such a fantastic project marvelous and i have worked on that for 10 years it's just been wrapped up with decisions and so, i mean uh some um some conclusions have come to light and uh, also i worked um in the organization free which was uh, founded by the late dr edgar mitchell and uh, ray hernandez is now at the helm i believe but the the conclusions after all of these detailed experience reports and hypnotic regressions and all of this is that um 10% of the experiences that people people are having are ecstatic, you know, almost euphoric. Mm. They're elevated to some higher vibrational level and meeting with beings of light but or whatever. So they're like that. An additional 10% are negative in the sense that uh, maybe something physically uncomfortable happened or there was fear involved or, mm. you know, any, any number of things. Now that leaves... 80% of the experiences that are completely benign. Right. So when we, when we come from a place of, 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 fear or, Oh my God, you know, they're, they're coming to wipe us out. If we come from that place, we're simply not looking at the, uh, now the, uh, the evidence, the evidence is that the vast majority of these experiences are either benign or positive. And, Again Jim I'm gonna I'm gonna quantify that a little bit because this this project really yeah. has only been going for 10 years but what um, what I have found is that, um, the types of experiences that involve, uh, shall we say, the the extraction of human DNA, either through ova or sperm or some other sort of um, uh, disturbing uh, genetic research situation conducted by a certain type of gray, the zeta reticulites, I believe. That Hmm. particular phenomenon, uh, I believe, has timed out. Now. My opinion about hmm. this is maybe a little bit unpopular, but um, I am of the of the uh, belief that the our relationship with ETs, our formal relationship with um, in the modern era with hmm. extraterrestrial beings occurred um, around the Roswell crash time. In fact, the Roswell crash was not one crash, but it was three crashes. Hmm. and. Um, some of those beings survived and they were in fact the zeta reticulites the same beings that had stopped the you know betty and barney hill low these many years ago right but um uh, at that time there was an agreement negotiated and many of us in this field call it the truman agreement it later segued into the eisenhower agreement but truman and his administration decided that disclosure was not going to happen it would topple the economy people would uh, lose faith in god and all of these ridiculous things that of course would not happen but that's what they thought so they made a deal with these particular um hybridized grays uh that um in exchange for technology that we could manage. And by that, I'm talking about uh, fiber optics, um, uh, integrated circuits, uh, Hmm. Velcro, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, <laughs> but really velcros in there. But you know that was one of the things that we received in exchange for that. Uh, uh, the uh, those particular ETS said, "Well, we we're having trouble. We can't procreate. Um, uh, we we have a we have a distant biological relationship to you. We just want to take you know a few little bit of DNA just from a few people. Wow. And of course, what ended up happening is." That was very far from the truth. These data reticulites carried out a massive uh, DNA research program. And many, many people who would now be in their 60s and such mm-hmm. experienced these very uh, terribly traumatic uh, in so many ways, you know, experiences. But what we see now um, is of a completely a, a very different character. Is
1: that right? Uh, yeah. Huh. Well so how what are some of the contrasting features of, of what uh folks are experiencing now? What are they reporting?
3: What I would have to say, first of all, um, I don't believe that there is any such thing as a person who has had a single experience. Mm -hmm. Um, There is a pattern that experiencers' lives follow where they begin having contact that is benign or very minimal from usually the age of three is when it seems to begin. So very often someone will come to me with like a big chunk of a partially recovered memory, missing time and other kinds of things. And when we get in there and and begin to work together, and I ask ask the individual to travel to the first experience of high strangeness that they've had, invariably we go to a very early childhood moment. So we have Mm -hmm. a lot of people who are, um, and I, I don't want to get too very fairy about this, but but we are talking about issues that involve reincarnation and interdimensional aspects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it seems now that many, many people who are coming to see me and who are experiencers, um, if I can, uh, if I can um, help them by doing a past life or interlife regression. You know i will invariably hear that they have had many lives on either another specific planet or other planets and that they have made a conscious choice to incarnate here on our earth plane uh with the with the eye to assisting humanity into moving to the next stage of our evolution the next vibrational level if you will so all these people that come to see me and also people like yourself jim and Odie and everybody in your staff we are all midwives of disclosure
2: Mm. we
3: are here to at this specific time in this specific place for the grand experiment for open contact a contact to occur and for us to re reconnect with our genetic cousins
1: Oh, how fascinating! I, I, I have so many questions, and and uh, you're you're giving uh, the audience here a, a primer on a secret history of extraterrestrial relations. Uh, so so th- there's a lot <laughs> of things I, I, I want to ask you, but, but but let's let's take a let me take a step back for a second, just okay. so I can properly introduce you and and what you do because it's it's so very important. So Thank you. maybe maybe we'll do it this way. Uh, someone comes up to you and tells you they believe they've been abducted mm-hmm. and they want your help. How would you then describe what you can do for them?
3: Well, the, when, when I'm first contacted by an individual, and these days it's usually by phone first mm-hmm. or online in some way, and um, uh, the first thing I do is I have a really long what I would call consultation with Mm -hmm. that individual. And I mean, it's never going to be less than an hour and probably longer. And I ask a number of questions, uh, not only details about the experience, but I I look into medical history, psychological history, um, familial um, fellow experiencers, because I do believe that much of this phenomena occurs through familial lines. So Mm. um, I, I have a whole array of things that I talk about with that individual um not only to know their story and know them but it's very important for me to determine if the individual is um for lack of a better uh term of of sound mind now in in uh, in canada and i i believe it's exactly the same in the united states um as a uh, as a certified clinical master hypnotherapist I am not allowed to work with anyone who has been officially diagnosed with a mental illness. Now by that, mm. I don't mean someone who's having anxiety or is depressed or is in grief. I mean someone where a psychiatrist has said, has said this person has borderline personality disorder, or this person Got is you. suffering from paranoid schizophrenia, or uh, 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 you know, bi- bipolar syndrome with right. uh, depressive effect. Whatever it is, um, so it's very important in order to keep my license and my insurance that that um, if I do come now. I I want to say that I think there are many people who have been diagnosed with so-called mental illnesses who are experiencers. Um, oh, and one thing doesn't necessarily preclude the other, but unfortunately, at this point in time, uh, we are a little bit uh, backward in our understanding of the human mind and the human mm. psyche. And it is determined that it's too dangerous for me to uh, conduct regression with people who have been diagnosed with a uh, a serious mental illness. So right. that's the that's the first thing that happens, and then. Um, sometimes uh, if if I'm really not sure if I have you know an odd feeling or whatever I may also see that that individual in person in my treatment space before any hypnosis takes place so I do um, Jim I do everything I can do to um, to you know, evaluate that person so that I can figure out the best way to help them. And right. if someone does come to me who say has had a diagnosis years ago as of schizophrenia but is completely controlled, I have many friends who are psychiatrists like our beloved John Mack and and uh, psychologists who are very open to the abduction phenomena so I can always find help for for that individual and, and, and that is my main goal to assist to be a midwife to assist these these special special people in waking up and stepping into their personal power and their role in this amazing um, time that we're moving into
1: Well that's really fascinating because uh, it, it, in that way you're a midwife in a different way as well because there mm-hmm. there probably have been cases where and correct me if I'm wrong but it, it, it appears there probably are cases when someone comes through. And potentially they, they they may have an undiagnosed disorder. Mm-hmm. But because of yes. you pulling in resources from psychologists and, and mm-hmm. other professionals, it might be the gateway for them to, to get some of the help that they're required as well, isn't it?
3: Absolutely. And you know, brain chemistry is a fun funny thing you know it's perhaps there are some aspects uh, of the abduction I don't like I don't like you say abduction but there perhaps there are aspects of these experiences people are having Mm -hmm. and you know they they mess about with the timeline they there may be some alterations in brain chemistry and 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 people are very sensitive individually you know so what what was tolerated by someone may have disturbed the the um very sensitive mechanisms of the uh, neurological system to someone else, also like so,
1: made it, it. can make some people snap a little bit, right? Like it well, can break c- some c- folks.
3: Certainly, Jim, and this is probably a subject for a whole other show. But <laughs> of the, um, a lot of individuals individuals that I have been working with lately, and this is one of the contemporary things that I've been seeing accelerating over, say, the past five years, are individuals who have been through what we call the 20 and back, uh, have participated in the secret space program have experienced amnesia and been moved around in the timeline, and actually oh served our country and other countries they are, they are unacknowledged veterans suffering with PTSD, that is unacknowledged.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah, I think you're right. So, I think that is a whole other program. Uh wow. Yeah. Um uh f- fascinating. Um listen, this uh, this hypnotherapeutic work that hmm. that you are doing. D- does that work stem from a uh, uh an interest in ufology first or or when did this all sort of begin for you?
3: Well, um I I actually did have my own series of rather profound experiences many years ago when I was a young actress working in Summerstock theater but that's too mm. long a story to go into right now but I I had I I believe that I I don't know if I'm a lifetime experiencer. I myself have not investigated this particular aspect with another hypnotherapist because I'm focused on healing others right now I'm just not that right. concerned I'm just not that concerned Anyway, but um, um, I have always had an interest in um, and as far as working, working in um, Psychological services. I put my way through university by working uh, all night in a state mental hospital as a psychiatric aide, and then I was a psychiatric technician. And this was so long ago that uh, psychotropic medications, um, you know, antidepressants, those things didn't even exist yet. We mm. had Thor. We had Thorazine, and that was a big deal because it meant we didn't have to use as many straitjackets. I'm telling. <laughs> oh, you, man. Seriously, it was so. I have seen. You know, I have I have looked um, extreme mental illness right in the eye, and I think that all those years of doing that work were part of my training for what I do now. You know, mm. I mean, I could have said, oh, woe is me, you know, there's no money, my father won't help me, blah, 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 I got to do this awful work, I got to stay up all night, yada, yada, yada. And, and I know there was a lot of that at the time, but now when I look at that, I say, oh, my goodness, I I like have a separate university degree in profound and often violent mental illness. Yeah. So um, I can, I guess I can sort of smell it, Jim. And, you know, if I have any doubts, if I have any doubts about a person's stability and 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 the um, benevolent and healthful aspects of doing regression. If I have any doubts, I will always err on the side of holding back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Always. Uh, how, How does hypnotic regression actually work, Leslie?
3: Well, you know... Jim, I gotta tell you, hypnosis is ancient in the extreme. I mean, it's it's more than hmm. 6,000 years old. That's our recorded history, but if you believe possibly in antediluvian civilizations or advanced civilizations, I believe it extended into that realm, along with many of the other uh, uh, Vedic uh, or, or, or Asian or subcontinent um, healing techniques that we have, sure. right. that, we, that come from our deep past. So the principle of it is really very simple as you know the our conscious mind the part we walk around with and do our do our stuff you know that's really just sort of a tiny part of who we are the biggest part of us is our subconscious mind which is where our our belief systems are formed it's where our memories are stored all memories and um if we can get the body relaxed enough and uh, you know i do it by really just talking and making somebody feel safe and relaxing all their muscles and all kinds of other things but if if we can get the physical body relaxed enough and that means in the alpha state minimally uh, then that um that membrane or curtain or whatever you want to call it that separates our conscious from our subconscious mind evaporates and so uh, say when I'm doing, a, when I'm doing a, a past life regression, and I must I want to stress this, I did not reinvent the wheel here, I have adapted past life and interlife regression techniques that I have used for years to work in this specific area. So the same thing about memory applies to those types of regressions as well. So after I get the body nice and relaxed and um, I began moving someone around in their current lifetime. Just from uh, positive uh, experience to positive experience, and by doing that, I'm sort of uh, lubricating the whole memory mechanism, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then, if it's a past life regression, then we go into the womb and then beyond the womb. And if it's a, a regression that involves a, an experiencer's um, situation, I will do one of two things. I will. I will take the uh, the client or patient directly to the experience for, of which they have partial memory and or i may take them to the first experience that they have had in this physical lifetime hmm. so one of those two things happens now what's very important in all of this work is the aftercare because remembering these experiences is also integrating them into your life and accepting who you are and, you know, some of these dear souls come to me and you know i'm like the last chance texaco jim you know they've been through (laughs) they've been through every kind of uh, shrinkage that can happen you know rolfing gestalt you know you religion you name it they've done it so um by the time they get to me what they really want to know is am i insane am i making this up and um you know, and, and to that note about imagination, I'm just going to say this one thing we, you know, we live in the time of real-time mapping of the brain and there have been some very interesting experiments conducted where, um, uh, where a subject, uh, is, is wired neurologically so that you can see all the brain activity in real time. And then someone like me comes in and, and brings them through a, um, Regression process. Well, amazingly, and this has been done many times and it's consistent. So amazingly, the, the parts of the brain that are firing, that are lighting up, if you will, are the deep memory centers, you know, the amygdala and what we used to call the, um, uh, the reptilian brain, you know, this is, this is, this is what's resonating. The parts of the brain that are responsible for creative thought are not activating. Huh. So, uh, so we finally, because of our current uh, diagnostic technology, we really do have proof that regression and is a real process that involves the memory engrams of the, an individual's neurological system.
1: That's so exciting in so many different ways. I mean, it it almost. Uh... It feels as if technology is starting to catch up to the mm-hmm. unknown. It's starting to catch up to the well, anomaly a little bit. Are, are there other? Um, is there other technology that you've been able to access or use that has helped in this pursuit, or that you have found is shifting the the narrative or our understanding of the phenomenon?
3: Well, it's, uh, I, I I couldn't, you mean other technology that, that I might use as far yeah. as something mechanical? Not really. I used to have a machine that generated theta waves, but I thought mm. it was bullshit and I threw it out. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> <laughs> Pardon my, pardon my uh, crudité there, but.
1: Uh... <laughs> okay, Odie will edit that later.
3: <laughs> Thank you, Odie. I'm so sorry about that. But, you know, I, I thought it was just a piece of, of, of junk. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think everything that we need to do, we have. And eventually, yeah. and there are people, you know, who can can really remember things Rather spontaneously, once I work with them a few times, they can put themselves into a meditative state. But the thing about that is, it's—I suppose—it's less uh, convincing that you're actually recalling memories when you're just sort of drifting in your own uh, uh, mental juice.
1: Oh man, that's so fascinating! It's so fascinating. Um, yeah, and 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 I think you're—you know—you're—you're you're spot on in terms of the importance of integration afterwards. Mm -hmm. I mean, if if you're around mystical communities, that's a very, very important part of the shamanic process is that, hey, you're going to be open up to things, you're going to learn things, and they believe that a shattering can occur. And -hmm. then within that, it's the integration of that information and that new Mm -hmm. state of being that's really required to function.
3: I completely agree with that. We get rid of the old paradigm and allow these people to remember who they are. And, um, you know, and many of, many of the people I'm working with now almost have um, parallel lifetimes. And again, this is what makes me say that we are dealing in some respects with quantum relationships and interdimensionality. Yeah. Um, like there are individuals who are experiencers who on a regular basis, uh, bilocate, if you wish to use that word, astral project, and have whole other lifetimes, in in essence, where they are working with other beings, often uh, hybrid beings or or ETs Mm. of different kinds on usually um, space stations and collaborative ventures. Mm. Uh, There's one one lady, I believe that she is is she a judge she's an attorney or a judge in her daylight in her daytime life and um, in her in her um, off time she is a noted kind of uh, zoologist and she cares for all the unusual animals that are being studied in, in in a benevolent way i'm not talking about l'oreal you know stinging people for shampoo No, this is this is something else <laughs> this is something else and uh, so that is not at all unusual where when we get to a certain point um they don't need these people don't need to be taken physically and again this is something that i think we need to keep in mind that there are many many beings that are evolved that are really just sort of projecting themselves That may not be physically here, but are sort of holographic in a sense, because for beings like us, space travel isn't easy, no matter what we do, it's not Mm. an easy thing on our bodies, there are other beings that are much more suited to it but it seems that the um, the very humanoid beings uh you know from the Lyran system you know the pleiadians and the arcturian the beings that look most like us are also uh some of the most telepathic beings and they are also very very capable of of sending themselves their sort of psychophysical body uh anywhere that it needs to go well
1: it makes a lot of sense in terms of where we're finding ourselves on the cutting edge of science right now mm-hmm. in space travel we're mm-hmm. discover the more we discover, the more discouraging it appears. The idea of traveling to other star systems as within our own human meat body. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about succumbing to generational travel, essentially yeah. to be able to do it in any any sort of fashion. And we're looking at that, going like, okay, th- there has to be like s- sort of a different, almost more holographic way to be yes. able to accomplish these things. So that makes it well, makes a ton of sense.
3: I'm telling you that I believe. That there is which is not to say that physical uh interactions don't occur because they do i'm saying that at a certain point usually in the experiencers development maybe even in midlife is when they began to function in this other way effortlessly wow. now in the secret space program those knuckleheads tried to uh simulate this with uh, super soldiers that's a whole nother story but at any rate i think that's what we're looking at and uh, we're looking at um some also uh, there is space there is excuse me there are um vortices apparently uh just as you know like the einstein rosen bridge there there are ways to travel from galaxy to galaxy um through these wormholes Uh, that does exist just as einstein believed it did so there's some usage of that amongst um amongst folks in our neighborhood pretty much um and there seems to also be um some kind of ability of some beings to, to go from place to place. And this is different from sending a hologram, going from place to place simply by using the power of thought, which is instant, which is instantaneous. Now we have the ability, we have the ability to do all these things. What we have is global amnesia. We have forgotten who we are. We estimate that over... We have over 14 million reports, which is larger than the city of New York City, active reports with MUFON. And, you know, uh, there are some people, as we were talking about earlier, that estimate that three-quarters of the Earth's population has had contact.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, all of it is... uh... All of it is so overwhelming to think about, especially in contrast to, like, I love this program because I start the show in 3D consensus reality with Ralph Mm -hmm. Blumenthal and the New York Times and the Mm -hmm. congressional hearing. And then we jump into hyperspace and we reveal and we're talking about, like, I've said it a few times on this program, you know. There is such a great social stigma still attached to the experiencer phenomenon, let alone yeah. like talking about like the possibility of a secret space program. But the idea that an experiencer still cannot be equal to the, 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 the person uh, that sees Sasquatch or the person that sees yeah. a ghost, or the person that has seen a UFO. It's still a whole different strata. Um, would you would you believe it that we're out of time already?
3: Oh, Jim, no. <laughs> Say it isn't so. Yeah. Well, will you, Say it isn't so. Will
1: you please come back on the program <laughs> with us?
3: I would adore to. And like I said, we barely scratched the surface. I, I wanted to tell you all about the different types of beings people are meeting, but we can, we'll and traveling into the interlife we'll do all that next time
1: i love it thank you so much leslie leslie where can people find your work
3: well you can always find me on right now my uh, my website which is lightworkhypnosis.com is having a bit of a facelift i should have spent the money on my own facelift really now that i think about (laughs) it but but the website's being facelifted and um so you can also reach me on um on Facebook as either Leslie Mitchell Clark or Lightwork Hypnosis. And you can always email me at Leslie, L-E-S-L-E-Y at lightworkhypnosis.com. I mean, even if you just have a question, uh, it may take me a minute to get to you, but I will always get back to you.
1: Well, thank My you so much, here, Leslie. You are so welcome. Yeah, thank you so much. We're out of time, everybody. Thank you for listening to Night Drift, and we'll see you later. Keep looking up.